your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The only thing you have to get right, the only thing, like you can mess up the entire Sports Center update, Ferrario. The only thing that is required oh. is you make sure to thank our friends over at Shane Co. And I gave him the shout out at the end. The problem was, you guys, I don't know if you deal with this, when you hear somebody say a word and then you're ready to talk, that word is stuck in your head. And I heard Ribs in the commercial, we were talking about something with the Stanley Cup, and he said Stanley. And of course, I go into it, and it's the Stanley Cup update. Uh, oh, jeez. The funny thing is, I got to give Alex his props here. He's seriously incredible at those <laughs> updates, but it's like hero or zero for Alex. <laughs> yeah, it's win or lose. There's no in-between on oh this my. one. So speaking of phenomenal, Kylie McDaniel does a fantastic job over at ESPN where he is a baseball insider. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Kylie McD. Joining us here on 101 ESPN via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kylie, always appreciate the time, man. Sorry about the shenanigans coming in. How you doing today? <laughs> I uh, do pretty good. Do you want me to audition for the new update guy, or uh, how you looking there? Take it, Kylie. Take it. <laughs> well, Ferrario would be happy to have you fill in. We'll we'll have you on as a guest instead. So let's talk about this free agent market or whatever we want to call it, the cold market, if you will. What's going on here? How long do you think it's going to be before we actually see any real movement with this free agency market this offseason? I mean, it's hard to say. Cause, so the situation we're in right now is obviously teams lost uh, money this year. Some teams lost a ton of money. And actually, one of the interesting things that I'll, I'll be writing in the next uh, couple of days at ESPN.com is a couple of agents have told me that they are hearing that Tampa Bay might be one of the teams that has the most money. And it's it makes sense if you put together all the pieces, which is teams are losing essentially um, – they're losing some of the TV money because they played fewer games, but they're still getting the playoff money. Tampa went to the World Series. There's, you know, a big influx of money there. And what was lost essentially was game day revenue of like selling tickets, selling concessions, parking, all that sort of thing. Tampa Bay might have been the lowest in the league, whereas the Yankees are probably the highest in the league. So the Yankees lost a huge amount of money, and then the Rays lost a much lower amount of money. And then they also got more playoff money, and they had a bunch of money coming off the books. The, you know, Morton and, and um, Zanito have about $20 million coming off the books, and the Yankees have some coming off the books too, but they probably overspent a little bit. So it's a very unique offseason in that things like that, Tampa Bay might have top half of uh, MLB money to spend this offseason. Uh, that also means that while, you know, the Yankees might not have as much money as they were expecting, uh, I've had teams tell me we don't have a payroll right now. Like, I don't have a number to spend to. This is like GMs, AGMs, presidents, guys like that. Uh, and they're like, you know, we have a number that we have to stay under right now. We think it will rise during the offseason, probably January, February. And so in that case, if – 
you know, say like the Braves spent about 150 million this year, let's say that number is 100 million, like artificially low, and they think it's going to get to 130. That means even if they want to sign JT Real Muto or whatever the big move would be, the big free agent of the offseason, they're going to wait until January when that number goes up, and it also might not go up. So projecting the top of the market is, well, you assume those top three or four guys will get their money. It's possible even they have to settle for one-year deals. And then even if that money comes, it'll come later. And then is it the sixth best guy is to settle for a one-year deal too? Like it could be really ugly and take a really long time compared to other offseason. Kylie, you mentioned Tampa Bay and that they could have, you know, an excess of money. Doesn't mean they're going to spend it, but they'd have that option. Is there another team in Major League Baseball that could be, you know, the salmon swimming upstream and doing something different than the other teams. Like I looked, I mentioned earlier on the show that I look at the Mets, you got a brand new owner and a great market there. What could they be a team that swoops in and starts signing guys or getting guys through trades and adding payroll while most teams are trying to dump payroll? That was the example I was going to give before you finished your question. <laughs> uh, they, they are interesting because I mean, a they have the most, the, uh, the richest owner, in baseball, but it's like ten mil- $10 billion dollars richer than every other owner, and I, th- I think he's like has the same net worth as like the bottom ten owners all put together. Uh, and obviously, like how much money the owner have has doesn't necessarily map exactly to how much money they spend. Uh, but in this case, he bought the Mets. He has said privately and has sort of you know gotten around baseball. He wants to make the Dodgers of the East Coast. And if you look at what the Dodgers did, until they could make a scouting and development machine and, you know, get their Seegers and Will Smiths and all these guys coming up all at once, they spent money to make the team good in the short term to compete and then sort of offload that money as those guys become bad values, uh, bring up their own guys. Uh, There's an interesting uh, parallel with possibly looking at, um, you know, DJ LeMahieu, Springer, Real Muto, Trevor Bauer. Uh, a lot of guys that, you know, if, if there's an offseason to be entering with a bunch of money to spend and hold to fill, this you're going to get the best values from the team perspective this year. And so walking with a new owner and something to prove, if they just jump in right now and start giving out, you know, market-level offers, they'll just get whoever they want. But obviously there's only, you know, 25, 28, whatever the number is going to be this year, uh, roster spot. So there is some limitations, but, yeah, that's that's the one everyone's keeping an eye on. ESPN baseball insider Kylie McDaniel joining us here on 101 ESPN. All right, Kylie, I want to ask you specifically about the Cardinals here because, I mean, we don't really know what to expect. I would imagine this is the case, as you said earlier, for most teams. But we talked to team president Bill DeWitt the third the other day on the show, and he basically said, hey, if you tell me how many fans we're going to have in the stands next year, I can kind of tell you what we're going to be able to do. The problem is they probably aren't going to have that answer for a while, like you were saying earlier. So if you're a team like the Cardinals and you already have 130 to $140 million in payroll obligations going into next year, how in the world can you improve this roster over the next couple of months to be able to improve an offense that has just been dormant for the last couple of years? I mean, it's essentially impossible if those are the parameters you're working with. And you could argue that, I mean, aside from the teams like Texas, who just built a new stadium, the Angels and Cubs, who just invested in the area around their stadium and took on a lot of debt, uh, teams like Houston that just like spent to the top of their payroll and then obviously COVID hit. Those are the teams that are kind of in the most trouble in terms of like they basically were assuming that they were going to keep making money at the same level to cover what they had spent. Uh, the two teams in biggest trouble would be the White Sox and the Reds because they went from not very good to signing free agents trying to go for it, and they just signed everyone right before COVID hit at market rates, including extensions for their own players. So it's like everybody's getting paid probably double what they would sign for right now, uh, like Yasmani Grandal, uh, Eloy Jimenez, uh, 
uh, Mike Moustakis of Cincinnati, all those kinds of guys. Uh, and so those sorts of teams, they're just out of money, and they're just stuck with what they got for the next couple of years. Now, I mentioned Atlanta. They are owned by a corporate entity that is in some trouble, and I bring all this up because I think St. Louis, while not exactly in those specific situations, they are not going to run a $200 million payroll, but they were sort of running as though they were going to have full stadiums. That was sort of like the thing that propped up their payroll to the level that it was. And there's obviously some, you probably call it bad money uh, in terms of guys like Dexter Fowler that are some guaranteed money that aren't like impact players. And so the way you would work around this would either be to trade um, young players to then go get veterans to fill in holes, which I don't think is like a good long-term solution. It's not really going to solve anything or to dump some of your existing money, which there is no market to dump money. And if you want to look at like the trade market as a way to just swap out, you know, like players, but fill some holes, uh, there's a chance the free agent market could be the guys, you know, the sixth or seventh best free agent, like Marcelo Zuna might be signing a one year deal for $18 million. So whatever money you have, it could get someone better than the uh, trade market would allow. And so this is why team, most teams, I think the Cardinals are included, are essentially paralyzed because the guy that they need to make their offense better might be available on a one-year deal with very little risk for the amount of money that they have to do this. But nobody wants to do anything until they know what's going on. And like you're saying, this is all tied to attendance and how many games there's going to be. Uh, and I talked to one assistant GM yesterday, and he was basically saying, like, yeah, that's an issue, but if we think it's going to be less than 50% capacity the whole season, each individual game is going to be operating at a loss. So in some cases, a smaller amount of games may be better in terms of revenue. And we're probably just going to, you know, do you play a ton of games and lose a lot of money, or do you play a few games and lose a little bit per game? Like, it's not necessarily that different. So teams just have to kind of guess almost based on how – you know, COVID recovery is going around the country and just assume that that will map to, uh, you know, what the revenues are going to be. So it's not even like there's, you know, January 1st, we're all going to know the answer. Like there's not really a day. So I think everyone's going to sit and wait and maybe hope that, you know, Steve Cohen buys the Mets and then starts doing stuff and sets the market. And then everyone knows what's going to happen after that, but no one's done anything yet. Kylie, I got to ask a follow-up on that because I'm watching the NBA negotiations take place right now, and the owners are, and Adam Silver are basically saying, can we please start early? Can we please start early? Because we've got $500 million on the line. we got to get this thing going as quick as humanly possible. The NFL is basically saying, oh, you tested for positive for COVID? That's fine. Go play. Go get this game in, and we'll figure it out later. Uh, the NHL yeah. is trying to get as many games in as they possibly can to be able to get their TV contracts done. And then I hear you say, and I've heard certainly owners say this as well, every game could potentially cost baseball money. And there were owners this year that didn't even want to play the season. How is baseball that far behind these other sports in terms of their non-game day uh, revenues, the non-gate revenues, that they're actually losing money by playing these games? I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm really confused by this. And if you have any insight that you could provide on that, I would really appreciate it. Well, I, some of the reporting from uh, Woj and Zach Lowe, uh, uh, I guess we'll call them colleagues, uh, has been the same issue with the NBA as MLB, which is – I forget what the break-even number is. I'm not sure anyone actually knows what it is. But let's just say it's going to be 25% capacity for the next 12 months. And so we know what the sort of attendance upside is for the whole season. They were saying the issue with the NBA is they think they're going to lose money on a per-game basis. Uh, and you might say, well, you know, what about the Lakers have a really big, you know, local TV contract or, you know, is there some way around this? The owners and uh, and the league are looking at it as the average of all 30 teams. So, like, yeah, there's maybe a team that has a great local TV deal and doesn't have a bunch of gate revenue and has a low payroll and maybe not a lot of overhead and they already own their stadium outright. So there's no debt payments like there's probably a team that it would be positive for. But on the whole, 
if we're talking, you know, a quarter or even less, or maybe some places it's zero percent of um, of attendance. Like the whole, the the teams are based on we're going to have uh, the amount of fans based on how good of a product we're putting out. And there's been some quotes, uh, you know, sort of uh, blind items, uh, if you will, from owners basically saying we got a little too fat off the land. We just assumed that we were going to be at 80% capacity with the same TV deal and all that kind of stuff forever. And so some teams are looking even as far down as like we have 15 guys in our R&D department doing stats. We just assumed that that was the right amount for, you know, getting 2 million fans a year. Like maybe now that should be eight. And that's the very last place they're going to cut because if you're spending – $60,000 on a kid doing spreadsheets and databases and stuff like he's definitely making you that money back. Whereas, you know, some guys, you know, selling tickets, it's maybe easier to, sh- to show that they're not, but you just need those amount of people. So this is a problem that all sports are dealing with. It's a little unique uh, in other ways with baseball, because there's not already a split between the owners and the players based on the revenues. So they have to fight over the split and about how to make the pie bigger, whereas the other sports already have an agreement that right. whatever the, Wherever the amount of money is, we're going to split up this way. So, and baseball also has the CBA coming after this year. And then one last thing to bring up is next offseason's uh, free agent market is probably the best in 10 years. There's going to be six or seven guys that on merit should probably get over $100 million. And this year there might be one or two. And so even teams that are looking at that Rio Muto or Springer this year, there's better versions of it next year. Last question that I've got for you, Kylie, and really great info there. If anybody wants to find more of your work, ESPN.com is where they find it, where you're a baseball insider. Last question that I've got for you. we got to ask about Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Are you hearing anything about their markets out there? And how realistic do you think it is that both could potentially end up back here in St. Louis? Uh, Wainwright, it still seems like it's probably St. Louis or Atlanta. Because uh, I, I think he's just going to sign one-year deals for somewhere between you know 5 and $8 million for the rest of his career. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that he's you know still been productive. <laughs> Uh, so I would guess it's, you know, essentially maybe two-thirds stays in St. Louis, one-third goes to Atlanta. And then Molina, it sounds like he wants a two-year deal. In this market, like, there might be five two-year deals in the, or two or more year deals on the entire market. So he's just not going to get it unless the, you know, Cardinals just want to pay him based on what he's done in the past, which, you know, sometimes happens. And that would be the kind of guy that it would happen with. But I don't think the market's going to bear it. Uh, so I would imagine, you know, odds are that the Cardinals get them both back on one-year deals. But I would say Wainwright would be the one that has a chance to leave. He's Kylie McDaniel. Find him over on ESPN.com where you can check out his list of the top free agents right now. It's a really fantastic read. ESPN.com is where you find it. Also on Twitter, at Kylie McD. You can also check out his book, Future Value, The Battle for Baseball's Soul and How Teams Will Find the Next Superstar. He wrote that one. You can check it out on his Twitter account, at Kylie McD, where you can find all of the info on where you can buy that book. It's a really good read. Kylie, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We look forward to talking with you again soon. It will probably be at the next break when I just give all the sports <laughs> updates. Kyle, nah. you're the best, man. Always appreciate nah. it. <laughs>